You are listening to Real Men Feel with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. Um, I'm really glad that you're joining us today. We are still in the midst of the great coronavirus pandemic. So I want to let you know that this show has been recorded on April 21st, 2020. And, you know, we're still in lockdown. Things are still pretty quiet. People are starting to talk about coming out of hiding, but that's where we are now. Uh, Again, this isn't a news program, so look for current advice and information somewhere else. Uh, I am very excited today because my guest today is really one of my favorite people in the world. Panash Desai is a mentor, coach, best-selling author, international speaker, spiritual leader, and transformation catalyst. Panash, it indeed is an honor to welcome you to Real Men Feel. Oh, thanks, brother. It's great to be with you. It's wonderful to connect with you in this way. You know, I, um, I, I told a lot of people that I'm talking Panash on the show, and a lot of people are like, who? And <laughs> I first discovered you back in 2013. Um, I think it was on Healing with the Masters, and I've done lots of different online programs with you over the years. The, the one that stands out the most, I did a deep density detox back in October 2015, and it was brutal. It was brutal, and it was something about it. Even in your invitation in the video talking about the program, I started crying watching it, and that's when I knew, all right, I, I have to do this, and it was just um, eight consecutive days of, of working with you is, is unlike any other type of work I've ever experienced. It really is it's just pure energetic. It's, there's not a skill you're taught. It's not a guided meditation. It's just things open up and you have experiences. My experience was all of my density, all the things in the way of who I really was had to come out. So uh, I foolishly decided I would do a video blog for those eight days. And by the midway to the rest, I'm just bawling in it. And that went straight into a weekend, a live weekend with you at Kripalu in Western Massachusetts. And, um, it was Halloween weekend. There weren't, so a pretty small group. And as usual for these sort of personal growth, spiritual growth events, there weren't many guys. But I remember, I think there might have been five men there. And in my memory of this, again, I'm just bawling all weekend. <laughs> Don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> why, why am I here? I'm in all this pain. But I, I remember talking to you and other people there that I was feeling called to do something with men. I wanted to help and support men in some way, but I felt like such this emotional wreck, I didn't feel like I was even a real man. Um, after a few days of, of crying and chanting and, and just transformation work, we're, about, we're getting ready to leave. I'm still not sure what I got. I'm feeling very shell-shocked after, after all of this. But, but one of the guys that was there said, I just want you to know that, that every time I talk to you, I, I, I benefited. I got something out of that. You really helped me and everything, everything you said, everything, every engagement we had. And another guy spoke and said, yeah, if, if, if you think you're here to, to help men, to lead men in some way, I want you to know that you already are. And three months later, the first episode of Real Men Feel happened. So I wanted to take the time to personally thank you for, for my honor, my ability to, to work with you and for the family that you gather around you because they're just as helpful and, and beneficial and can be as such as great teachers as, as you are. Um, so with that long-winded <laughs> introduction, because I could talk about you and my experiences with you for an hour, but you know, uh, for, for people that aren't familiar with you, how, how, would, how do you describe what you do? 
That's the that's the question that I've been asked uh, ever since I kind of appeared uh, in the genre. And um, what I can say to people is that we're alive in time of an awakening, that we're remembering that who we are is a divine being, that at our core, who we are is love, and that we're beginning to begin to get reacquainted with this truth again, very powerfully inside of us. And everything that's inside of us that's dissonant to that, or that in some way is in resistance to that is coming up for people to feel and to experience so that they can be free of it. And so at the point when I show up in somebody's life, it means that they're really ready to step into their power and to make some kind of a difference in the world. Mm. And that role has been defined in so many different ways throughout the years um, by other people. Uh, I just like saying that I'm basically just an old friend. Uh, for me, it's just an absolute honor to love you, uh, to be able to hold this space for you. And to be able to support you in remembering that, you know, we're more than just a mind and a body and our feelings, that who we really are is this field of awareness and this presence. And that everything that's happening is happening inside of that awareness. And that the more we can remember who we really are, the more all of a sudden the greater contribution that was authentically embedded inside of us can be expressed beyond us out into the world. And so I'm, I'm kind of uh, one of the last stops on your destination to awakening. And the, and the purpose of that is that really what we've lost in the modern world is that transformation happens at the level of uh, energy, vibration, and frequency. You know, you can go and watch all the PDF presentations and talks that you want, but there's not transformation happening. We're just learning more information, right? Uh, and more often than not, the level of the mind, we're just adapting to what, what's going on inside of us. But it's only when we really begin to deal with ourselves as to in terms of how the ancients used to deal with themselves in terms of energy, vibration, and frequency, meaning that transformation happens at the level of feeling. Mm. It doesn't happen at the level of the mind. And so the more we're able to welcome every part of us to realize that no part of us is a mistake, that no part of us is broken, that every part of us is worthy of our love and our attention. And the more we can be with all of these parts of us that we've been taught to judge and condemn and criticize and repress and suppress and normalize, the more we liberate all of that potential. And then all of a sudden we begin to awaken fully into who we're here to be. And what we're awakening to is what was always inside of us, the love that was inside of us that we were denying ourselves, that we were withholding from parts of ourselves. What we wake up to is the abundance that was there. What we wake up to is the health and vibrancy that was there. What we're waking up to is the truth of who we are. And so simply stated, I'm like Morpheus from the Matrix. Love it. And I remember, um, remember years ago, I hadn't heard you use that, that phrase uh, in a while, that I'm, I'm an old friend. And I remember that used to be how, that, that stood out to me at least. I don't know if that's how you often introduced yourself and things, but um, that, that feels so true. And that's why, you know, I've, I've met you once and I confidently say, oh yeah, he's one of my favorite people on the planet. There is this familiarity and I guess it's, you know, it's you helping us be familiar with, with our own divinity and and losing that separation between between us and source and and us from each other and that that familiar friend that that longtime companion that all all of that there is is it's in the energy yeah there there are so many different things that you can have the honor of reminding people of throughout the course of your lifetime but i've discovered that the the, the most profound thing that you can remind somebody of is their power and who they are beyond their conditioning beyond societal norms beyond conformity and when you have the blessing and good fortune of being able to remind someone of their power, they'll never forget you because you serve as that reminder for them as to who they really are. And then they begin to relax into it. They begin to evolve into that. Their life begins to rearrange itself around that way of being. 
and every area of life begins to fundamentally transform. And so uh, I, I, I'm just blessed to be able to wake up every day to be myself, blessed to be able to, to share who I am with the world, blessed that that's having whatever impact it's having on people and it's supporting people and waking up to who they are. Mm. And because I'm Indian, people want to categorize me in lots of different ways and compartmentalize me and pigeonhole me, but really I don't fit in any of those boxes. You know, if, if, we, if we really want a definition of not just who I am, but who everybody is, who we really are is pure awareness, pure being and pure potential. So that's who I am. That's who we are. That's what this is about. It's about remembering that who we are is pure awareness, pure being and pure potential. It's about remembering that we're one family, that we're, that we're in this together, that all of these boundaries of separation that we have in place are just illusory boundaries, that there really aren't any. You know, when everything that's happening in the world right now, we're being shown that nothing happens in isolation. You know, everything that's happening in one part of the world affects another part of the world. And so here we are at this magnificent time in human history, this unprecedented time with this incredible opportunity to wake up to who we are. And the interesting thing is, too, that uh, in ancient uh, wisdom traditions, when they talk about healing and they talk about evolution and development, all these different things, they, they, they speak of them all in the same way. It's, it's reconnecting to the truth of who you are at the level of your being, you know, remembering who you are at the level of that loving presence and awareness that you are. And so I guess another way of articulating who I am is somebody who reminds you of the loving presence that you are, you know, and, and supports you in connecting to that and living from that in every moment. Cool. You mentioned, you know, these, uh, these uh, unprecedented times, uh, to say the least, they're all in. So I, want, I just wanted to take the time to check in with you. And so how are, how are you and your family navigating the pandemic? I'm great. We're doing so well here. Um, by virtue of the fact that I have a global community, you know, I already knew that this was going to kind of happen uh, and unfold. And I'd begun to get information out of China from some of our community in China as to what was going on. And uh, that being said, I was waiting for it to become some kind of a, an issue beyond China uh, and, and wait, waiting for it to present in other countries before I made any kind of definitive moves because people often look to me to see what I'm doing to ascertain what, what, how, how they should move in, in relationship. And so for me, um, the, the signal that I was waiting for was the World Health Organization declaring this a global pandemic. Mm. So I believe that happened on March the 11th. And from that day, I pulled the kids out of school. We've been self-isolating, self-quarantining at home since then. Uh, I haven't hugged my children since then. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the only hard part because I'm the only one that's going out shopping and I'm the one that's going out running errands. And so I've even been self-isolating inside of the home. Uh, I still eat meals with the family, but I've, I've kept my distance from my kids uh, so we're, we're fist bumping and, and every now and again, we'll, we'll elbow, uh, but, but that's about it. And, and the reason for that is, um, as you know, I have a daughter who had a heart transplant when she was 18 months old. And so the measures that I have in place in my home are a little more stringent than most people have to adhere to. And the blessing is too, that, you know, we already had a lot of these protocols in place already. You know, we, we already had hand sanitizer. When you come in, you take your shoes off. Like we were already doing a lot of these things in the house anyway. And so this has been a time, uh, it's been an amazing time because my wife Jan has gone from being involved in the company to now being a full-time mom, being a kindergarten, teaching the kids kindergarten. And I'm walking into my family room every day, watching Jan teaching the kids kindergarten in first grade. I shed a few tears and it's like my dream, you know, to see her doing that. 
you know, we're all home together, you know, by the grace of God, everybody's healthy, you know, and, and the most important thing is that I was very quickly able to pivot out of being on a book tour. The book came a national bestseller. And then the following week, uh, all of a sudden we we're in the situation of a global pandemic. And so literally I was very quickly able to pivot from March the 11th through March the 16th. We begin to set up these global call to calm meditations every, every morning at 9 a.m. And then all the other ways that I wanted to offer people and support people. And so it's been uh, a time of recognizing the perfection of what's unfolding and holding families in the midst of grieving the loss of their loved ones. Uh, it's been a time of recognizing the perfection of what's unfolding in the context of our evolution and holding the hands of business owners who are having to shutter their businesses and lay off employees that they've had for 20 or 30 years that aren't family members. Uh, it, it, it's, been, it's been both of those simultaneously. And uh, I'm happy to say that as a community, uh, everybody's healthy. Uh, everyone's been able to navigate their way through COVID-19 uh, with calm and with a sense of, of peace, which we're now discovering is really important because uh, in speaking to doctors and, and kind of gathering information about what this virus actually is, what we're beginning to discover is that actually our reaction to the virus actually is what makes it deadly. Uh, and it makes it deadlier <laughs> because if we're in a state of fight or flight and survival, all of our energy goes into trying to run away from this imaginary threat because we're in the state of panic instead of being able to be utilized by the uh, by our immune system and by our body to fight this uh, virus and so uh, it's been just humbling for me to see how uh, everything's been unfolding and it's been absolutely amazing for me to be able to be of service in the way that i have been to to not just you but the global community at large yeah yeah, I want to get because so yeah, in early March and really early in this being called the global pandemic, you began your daily um, free calls to calm for for everybody and just put there. And I've shared it with a bunch of people. I've gotten people involved and in, that hadn't heard of you checking them out and they're and they're hooked. And uh, you know, I've I've adjusted my whole day and uh, those calls have been amazing. And so did something specifically prompt that? Did you always know? And, you know, in times of trouble, you would do this or how did that unfold for you? So I, uh, in 2001, I spent six months living like a monk uh, in an ashram, which is a residential retreat center in upstate New York. And I was there from March uh, until October. And uh, on September the 11th, while I was there, we were in the middle of doing selfless service. Selfless service looks like cooking Indian food and huge fats, like that are massive containers of like dal and rice, uh, cleaning the toilets, welcoming guests, whatever the selfless services for that day. Uh, we were interrupted in the middle of the selfless service uh, with an announcement that was just jarring, you know, that there was a terrorist attack in Manhattan and it was the most surreal thing. It was completely out of the context of being in this ashram. And all of a sudden we're in the canteen, the TVs are on and I'm watching these planes crashing into this th these buildings and it's like watching a movie. It was like, the most surreal thing I had ever experienced. And in that moment, immediately what arose was being of service. In crisis, leaders lead. In crisis, when we know who we are, we immediately pivot to service because that's why we've been given everything that we've been given. It's why we have every gift that we have. It's why we have every ability that we have. It's why we've gone through every experience that we've gone through. And so immediately, as soon as the World Health Organization declared this a global pandemic, we pivoted immediately out of a 22-city book tour, canceled all, all of the events through June 1st, 
postponed the ones that we could and subsequently just began this regiment of being of service every day. And so that's how it began because I, I, I profoundly understood that the, the first major thing that we had to, uh, to, to deal with was our own fear and was this fear that was being perpetuated through all of these media outlets and all of these news sources, this constant bombardment around this virus and the uncertainty around it. And, and, and the blessing is that in spirituality, like we thrive in uncertainty. And so for me, immediately in that uncertainty, service arises in, in any moment in life where there's any kind of an issue or challenge, immediately it's how can I be of service? Because your thought isn't about you. you you're, not, you're not dealing with yourself, your own personal drama, what you have to feel around it. And that being said, I did have a couple of days where I was sad because I was dealing with families all over the world that, were, that had family members on uh, ventilators that were potentially dealing with the, 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 the reality of losing them, right? right? So, so there is a human element to this, but in the embracing of it, we're not suffering anymore. And so those call to calm meditations came into being because of my past experiences with, with, with crises, plural. Um, you know, also in talking about Celeste and her heart transplant, there was one friend that called me every day just to see how I was. You know, didn't want anything from me, didn't need anything from me, just called me every day to see how I was. And so now when I'm on social media, any social media platform, my only conversation is, how are you? How's the family? How can I help you? And that's it. And I knew that that's what the world needed. And so by virtue of the fact that all of the experiences that I'd had, whether it be 9-11, 08, 09, whether it be everything I went through with Celeste and then subsequently the, the hurricane that we had here in Naples, it was a direct hit. Like I had been perfectly equipped to help this community navigate their way through COVID-19 and every phase of COVID-19, not just the reality of the virus itself, but then also the subsequent economic fallout that we're still experiencing and in the midst of unwinding. Yeah, no, on, on, Today's call to come, you, you were making the shift to abundance uh, and that. So we've, we've kind of hopefully lessened the fear, got people calm, realizing, all right, we can get through this. Uh, there, is, there is an end to whatever this is, um, but to, to focus on abundance. And you know, I, I've got to gotta believe that's really challenging for, for a time when, when an, an economy has stopped and people are losing jobs and, and people are depriving other people of jobs that – it's it's going to be very difficult for a human being to feel abundant. So so why is that shift important, and and how does someone feel abundant when when the when they don't, when they might not be economically abundant? Because what's happening right now is that this reality of COVID nineteen is bringing up every survival based energy and tendency that we have inside of us. So literally, we are being challenged at the level of the physical reality of the virus, and then also at the level of the economic impact of the virus. Both of these things perfectly dovetail to bring up every survival-based issue that hasn't been resolved in people. And, and ultimately, we're purging these feelings of fear, lack, and scarcity. And this is an important thing globally, because what's undermining our ability to truly evolve is all of that survival-based energy that we've been holding onto collectively. Right? The reason I, I uh, had to have an emergency root canal last week. And uh, my dentist asked me a question while I still had the block in my mouth. I couldn't really answer the question, but I mumbled an answer. And, and then when I took the block out, and his question was brilliant. He said, Panache, when are we going to actualize our potential as a species? And I said, in the very moment that we're free of survival. 
in the very moment that no human being no longer needs to think about their survival, when they're able to just create and innovate and live and express what's inside of them for the benefit of the world. And so we're in the middle of a window of time where we're being asked to choose what's important, what really matters, you know, to, to go through a simplification, right? What do I actually need? Well, it's very simple. I need some form of shelter. I need a place to sleep. If you're, if you're spiritual and health conscious, maybe you need a smoothie or a juice in the morning and a couple of meals, maybe. You know, most people do intermittent fasting, so they could even skip that third, whatever that thing is, right? And so when we look at it from a basic life and living standpoint, we don't actually need very much, okay? That makes everything else a choice. And it also makes everything else a product of our conditioning. You see, the problem is the reason why we're struggling is because we have been taught that there is some version of life that we're meant to be living beyond the one that we're experiencing. So people are struggling because they think in some way, shape or form, they should be experiencing something other than what is. Mm. And what I've discovered is that there's nothing else happening other than what is. And so whatever's playing out in this moment, what we need to do is align with it and embrace it, even if we can't potentially understand it aligning with it and embracing it will allow you to make the next peaceful choice it will allow you to be redirected towards the next most expansive outcome and this inner shift into being calm into being abundant into into being grateful for everything that we have is going to allow us to tap into the to the truth that we need to tap into which is very simple we've gone through economic hardship before and you know what, when we've needed something historically in the past, guess what? Somehow, in some way, it has shown up, even if it was in the 11th hour. Mm. And so if our past is any indication of what's happening in the present and what our future is going to be, then at that point, we can rest assured that our needs will always be met. That what we need will always come to us. That what we need will always arrive in our lives. You know, all of these other things that we're chasing are illusory things anyway. They don't mean anything. Every single person right now that had a vision board, that had goals for the year, that had metrics that they were trying to accomplish and move toward, well, okay, coronavirus, where's your vision board now? And your goals and the way you were gonna grow things and the way you were gonna, the way you thought life had to be is fundamentally gone out of the window. Mm. Now you're being reacquainted with life. You're being reacquainted with the truth. You're being reacquainted with what's real. And what's real is that we're part of something that is spontaneously and automatically unfolding in every moment, that wisdom is in being with what is, and that our power comes from our peace, and our peace comes through accepting what is. Yeah. And so if you've just been laid off, recognize that there's a blessing in that. You're being given an opportunity to choose, not from a place of survival, but from a place of, okay, what do I love doing? Where's my passion? You know, what do I want to create? How do I want to live? You know, we're being asked to evolve beyond our dependency on things. We're being asked to evolve beyond our external requirements and circumstances and situations. Okay. So this is our time to remember that in every economic downturn, some of the most successful companies in the world were born during an economic downturn. Mm. So how we meet this thing is going to define us for the next decade. And my greatest wish for everyone that's watching this is that they meet it with an open heart, that they meet it peacefully, that they remember 
that they have been taken care of historically every step of the way, and that will continue to happen. And that the more we can go through this calmly and peacefully, connecting to the abundance by being grateful for whatever it is that we have, the more we are going to boost not just our immunity to the virus, but our immunity to what all of these economic projections are, all of these worst case scenarios are, and to all of these other things that are going on outside of us. Because the truth is, we will always be provided for, we will always have what we need, and we will always, always, always be guided toward more, toward greater potential, toward greater possibility, because that's just how life works. Right. We, we, we as individuals, we as spiritual beings, the, the entire universe is, is expanding and at a faster and faster rate. That's just, again, that's how it is. So, you know, what I, I've heard, you know, accept what is for, for years and years, and it just would frustrate me um, until it was explained that accepting what is doesn't mean you like it. You're just not going to keep fighting it and denying that it's there. Just accept what is. It's not about blame, but it, when you accept what is, then you can make you know a, a decision from a point of calmness and peacefulness and make your just your next best move. You know, it doesn't mean I accept this and yep, this is what I always wanted all along. It does. It doesn't accepting what is has nothing to do with what you wanted. Mm. It's just opening up to it. So cool. I appreciate that. And you you mentioned the book a couple times, and uh, your latest book is "You Are Enough." Uh, which is a, it's never a bad message. It feels especially poignant at this time. And I had bought the book um, months ago, what feels like years ago, read it during the lockdown and everything. And I I found it to be a phenomenal guidebook to to navigate this time, to, to, to go within and and take yourself apart. And if you have more time on your hands, if you have more time, if you have more isolation on your hands, you have more, more pondering, it, it's just a fantastic read. And there were so many chapters that, that hit me like transcripts of past shows here, right? stressing a- awareness and authenticity and, and the power of transformation and the power of, of healing core wounds and that we all have them. And we're all covering it up with masks and lies. And as long as we believe that's the truth, we're going to be in pain. So I just want to, again, thank you for this and recommend it to everybody. Um, it was the first, first book I read during the pandemic, and it's the best one. And, and, and though it's a short read, I really encourage people, like, don't race through it. Like, read one chapter and just sit with it. it it's not to – don't sit on the afternoon and just cram through it. Like, really let it work on you and let you work on you. Mm-hmm. So was, was that at all the gold you ever, like – do, do people tell you, oh, I read this in the afternoon? And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> what, what is the experience you prefer people to have with your book? So I think that, I, I think that every person comes to, the, comes to the material at a different point in their lives. Uh, and, and there are some people that come to it with this kind of sincere yearning to really know who they are and to really dive into the material and to experience the transformation that's possible for them. And there are other people that just read it because a friend recommended it. And so then they just read through it so they can talk about it with their friend. And to me, honestly, like, it doesn't matter how I get them as long as I get them, you know? And, and this is why this is so important right now. Because in working with people now for over 20 years, right? I'm 41. In working with people over t- for 21 years, let's say, formally, right? No longer being in denial of my gifts. Uh, what I've discovered is that there's one core commonality that's all pervasive in every single human being, regardless of where they were born, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their race, their gender, choice of sexual preference, regardless of what they've accomplished, what they've done, what they aspire to do, who they aspire to become. And it is this all-pervasive feeling of not being enough. 
It is the root cause of why we continue to exist in separation, why we continue to live a life that's not fulfilling, and how we're on. And then from that space, why we're unable to actualize our full potential. And this feeling of not being enough is the root cause of why people suffer because they embark on this journey their whole lives of trying to prove that they are, trying to prove that they're good enough, trying through their actions to derive some sense of value and worth. And what we know in spirituality is that our value and our worth doesn't come from our actions. It's not about what we do externally. Our value and our worth is inherently present inside of us. And when we can go through that fundamental repositioning and redefinition of who we are, and we understand that our value and worth comes from within, at that point, everything that we create, everything that we innovate, every, every action we perform comes from that space. And then at that point, there's nothing missing. We're literally operating in the world from a place of connection. And everything that we do becomes a way in which we perpetuate that connection in the world at large. And so this is probably the most important message um, for this decade. It's the most important message, message. And beyond the message, it's actually a fundamental shift in how we're living as a species. Because when we look at what's happening right now, any inequality, any disparity, anything that's playing out in the world is because of this feeling of not being enough. The root cause of every addiction is because people don't feel like they're enough. The root cause of this overproduction and consumption is because people don't feel like they're enough. They're just trying to keep up with some, some perception that they're told that they have to live up to in order to be happy. Well, again, it's time to discover that your value and your worth is inherently present in you and that it's okay for you to be who you are, for you to embrace the totality of who you've come here to be, that you don't have to apologize for being unique in a world where you're conditioned to live in conformity. It's okay for you to be who you are and that actually your uniqueness is your superpower. The more you're willing to authentically express the totality of who you are at this time on this planet, the more all of these other aspects of your life are going to take off, right? Whether that be your finances or your work or your creativity or career, whatever that is, everything is a byproduct of the degree to which we're willing to live the authentic truth of who we've come here to be. And that's the invitation now. It's the invitation in this moment, and it's going to be the invitation in every moment for the next 10 years. We must awaken to the truth of who we are beyond all of this stuff that's been superimposed over the love that we are, superimposed over this pristine consciousness that we are, this life that we are. It's like we have to go through this reset. And so we're being given an incredible opportunity to do that. And the book is uh, the entry point into, into getting them. So I don't mind how I get them as long as they read the book and they connect with the material it's already beginning to happen inside of them. Right. Cool. And since we're in this planetary timeout, you know, you know, what, what's your sense of how we're doing as a species? Are, are, are people waking up to the truth? Are people still fighting with it? What, what's the overall sense you have? I think that in life, we seek the evidence uh, that, we, that we're looking for, right? So basically, in my, because my state of being is loving and I see the world awakening, uh, I'm looking at the dolphins swimming in the Venice canals, uh, it, it, all of our Italian brothers and sisters singing on their balconies. Uh, I'm looking at the doctors and the nurses who are so selflessly being of service. I'm looking at all the ways in which we're collaborating with each other, all the ways in which we're loving each other, all the ways in which we're coming together from all over the world to realize that, you know, nothing happens in isolation. So again, I think we seek the evidence of our own state of being. Mm. So where I'm, where I'm seeing the validation 
of this incredible opportunity, whether, whether it be people in India being able to see the Himalayas for the first time because there's no pollution uh, or, you know, whatever, right? It, it just, it's like for me, I'm only ever seeking that which I am. And then my external reality is mirroring back to me who I am internally because our reality responds to how we feel. And when we feel like we're enough and we, and we feel the love that we are and we feel the abundance that we are and we feel the truth of who we are, naturally that gets reflected back to us. And that's, so, so what I'm experiencing is all of the ways in which we're waking up, all of the ways in which we're coming together, all of the ways in which we're being responsible, all of the ways in which we're being empowered. And that's all I'm paying attention to because that's all I'm looking for because that's who I am. You, you mentioned um, at a younger age, not really accepting your gifts. And, and I know in your books, you kind of share your experience growing up. So uh, was, was there ever a period in your life that you, you felt so different that did you, did you ever like not feel human or did you, you know, did you, did you see as a gift? Did you think something was wrong with you? Like how, how was your experience of, of getting used to the truth of you? Uh, I felt like a widow my whole life. You know, I, uh, you know, while most kids were watching TV and cartoons, I was in a meditation room, you know, experiencing this amazing presence and energy. So for the first five years of my life, my grandmother raised me. And my favorite room in the house was the meditation room. And uh, so when we, you know, Bruce Lipton does a lot of work on biology and what happens in the first seven years of your life. Well, when you think about it, it makes perfect sense that I am who I am when the first five years of my life was spent in a meditation room, right? And so all of a sudden on a subconscious level, I was absorbing all of that wisdom, all of that information, all of that energy, all of that presence. And that basically was the, was the formative kind of experience of who I am in the world. And then subsequently, of course, we try and fit in and something happens and we think that we're not enough and then we try and belong. And uh, what I discovered was that the more I tried to fit in, the more I tried to conform and the, try to, the more I tried to belong, the more I suffered. And that suffering just got louder and louder and louder. Uh, and one day, uh, I discovered music and uh, was in my kind of teenage years and was suffering some of the angst of being a teenager in addition to experiencing everything that I was experiencing, which was just bizarre. And uh, turned on the radio and there's a pirate radio station and listening to this music coming through the speakers. I'm like, wow, this is the most amazing thing I've heard. So in London, we had a thriving pirate radio scene and uh, I got involved in music, uh, got very involved in music. Actually, was emceeing and at raves and on stages, you know, thousands of people and, uh, and was performing. And this for me became my outlet. Uh, the only downside was that uh, music at that time in London was very dangerous because all of the best music was in underground clubs. And typically there was a very heavy kind of element and a, and a kind of this violence associated with the crowd that would show up there. And uh, so I kind of lived this juxtaposition of the peace and spirituality of my grandmother and then growing up around wolves and tigers and lions in East London and navigating the world of being in East London and discovering who I was and, and where I kind of fit into all of this. And the blessing in all this was that all my friends were older than me. They loved me. Um, and, and I was never involved in anything. They always kept me out of all of it because I was in university and studying and I had everything ahead of me. And they would always just say to me, you're my good luck charm. You know, when you're with us, nothing bad ever happens to us. You know, so even then in the midst of that, they were feeling the energy and the presence and the blessings of the energy and the presence. They wouldn't say it that way, but that's how they were articulating it. And so the spirituality of my youth was the, the cadence and the rhythm and the foundation of every subsequent experience. And, uh, and of course, has led me to be who I am now. Cool. Um, 
you know, as a man, I've been going to, you know, spiritual events, personal growth events, probably since like 2008. And I'd be the one guy, or maybe there's, you know, 5% of the, of a large audience's guys have, have you been seeing and more men in your own programs and online and in person over the last few years? Absolutely. I've seen an uptick in, in everybody showing up actually. Um, it, it's interesting because I think that we're at a point now where we've exhausted every material possibility and potential. And we've realized that we're absolutely miserable. You know, we're, we're doing everything we've been told that we're supposed to do. We've been, you know, going everywhere we're told we're supposed to go. We have everything we're meant to have and we're still miserable. There's still something missing inside. And so, yes, absolutely. There's an awakening happening in men. And, and actually there's a redefinition happening inside of men, right? Beyond uh, you have to produce and you have to be responsible and you have to be the one, you know, that's the provider and the caretaker and all this stuff. Like all of this stuff is being lifted off of us and we're being freed of this generational kind of programming and brainwashing around what it means to be a man and how we're supposed to live. And I'm very happy to see that happen because what I'm noticing is that once all of that is lifted off of us as men, we soften into our hearts. It's like we finally have permission to soften into the love that we are and to be in the love that we are. And that doesn't mean that in any way we've become any less of a man. It just means that we've awakened to what it really means to be a man, which is somebody who's heart-centered and balanced and able to operate with the totality of their being, you know, instead of just some brainwashed version or stereotypical version of what it means to be a man in the world. And so, uh, yes, uh, there are lots of men coming and uh, I'm very happy because I used to be the only man in the room. And so now it's nice to have uh, my brothers there uh, as well as my sisters, of course, and just, and just sharing this experience collectively from every point of view and from every perspective. Cool. Yeah. I always, when men come to me and they're struggling with, with identity and what does it mean to be a man and masculinity and I, the simplest way for me to get across is if whoever taught you what it means to be a man, if they were a miserable bastard, like why are you listening to them? Like make your own definition, you know, be, be from your heart, be from playfulness, be from humor, be from levity. You know, you, you, you're a man, you're inherently a man. You, you are inherently good enough. If you're a man, you're inherently a man and you get to decide what being that means to you. That's exactly right. You know, and, and the more we free ourselves of all these external definitions, the more we uncover the truth. See, what people don't realize is enlightenment is an entirely destructive process. <laughs> you're, you're basically destroying everything that's been superimposed over the pristine consciousness that is who you really are. And that's true of everything. And if you want to discover what it means to be a man, free yourself of your father's opinions and ideas and beliefs and, and conditioning around what it means to be a man. Free yourself of society's conditioning, opinions, and beliefs around what it means to be a man. And then you'll start to discover authentically what it means to you. And once you discover what it authentically means to you, then you've arrived at something. Until then, you're just living inside of some external false metric that somebody else's definition that will only create suffering in you because you're not able to express the totality of who you are. Yeah, you're still, you're in this man box still, and you might paint the walls a different color, but you're still in this box. You're still in this container that someone else put you in, and you accepted it as your reality, and it doesn't have to be like that. Cool. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've, uh, in the recent years, I've become an initiate in the modern mystery school, and that's a lineage that goes back 3,000 years to King Solomon, and, and I've noticed in your, many of your meditation calls, you talk about a, a lineage of light, and you talk about initiations. I just wanted to share that that, that really resonates with me strongly now. 
And I, I don't recall hearing those terms from you in the past. So I didn't, was that something that you've always spoken of and it just went over my head years ago? Or is that, is that something new? How are you speaking or? As we're evolving, I'm sharing a lot more about everything uh, as people are ready to hear it. And one of the things I wanted to let people know was that this person that you see called Panash Desai uh, isn't actually doing anything. Nothing's happening because of me, because of who I am. Everything's happening because I'm connected to this infinite lineage of light that's expressing through me. And my singular role in this as Panash is to allow that to happen in every moment completely and totally and fully for the benefit of all human beings. And so we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. We're all standing on the shoulders of illuminated beings. We're all standing on the shoulders of great beings. And when we realize that we're not alone, that they're all working through us, that we have access to them, that they're working through us, we really get what this life is about. That actually our life doesn't mean anything about us at all. <laughs> it's just the excuse through which all of this energy and information and love is pouring into this world. And when you get that, all of a sudden you become lighthearted, you become free, you become peaceful, you don't worry about things anymore because you realize that you're being supported in the deepest possible way and that you're being guided. You know? And then in any moment you're able to pivot in whatever way you need to because you're not attached to any one way of being. And so we are all vessels, vehicles, and conduits. And so gradually as people are waking up more and more and more, I'm sharing more and more and more, uh, sharing things that I've never said out loud before uh, because I, I want people to have an understanding of what our potential is beyond our individual self, beyond our individuality, you know. And, uh, and anyway, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I've never said it before and I'm glad that it resonated with you and uh, I'll be sharing more as people continue to wake up. I'll be able to share more and more and more about who we are, why we're here, where we're really from and what this is about. Cool, cool. Look forward to it. Yeah, um, your everyday 9 a.m., your, your call to calm, there are 21 minutes. Um, they are some of the most powerful experiences I, I've ever had. And so they're open to everybody. If you visit panashatsai.com, you can sign up and learn more about them. I'll have links if uh, visit realmenfield.org, the, uh, the blog post for the show notes for this episode. We'll have all sorts of links to, to connect with Panache. And, and you have a lot of other programs going on too. You're your, your, again, your book tour didn't happen and your live events, in-person live events haven't happened, but you're still finding ways to, to support people. Yes, because I, because I understood that I had to make myself available in every way to everybody. And so uh, we opened up the, the meditations in the morning because everybody on some level needs to return to that fe feeling place of calm inside of themselves now. And then at 11 a.m. I have a, uh, a, vibra a tra vibrational transformation session that I, that I actually... I, I used to do in 07 and 08 that I'm doing again now just online to support people in navigating their way through their energy and through their experience and freeing them of everything that's survival based inside of them. Because the more we free people of these survival based energies of fear, lack and scarcity, the more all of a sudden they can evolve into the fullness of who they are. And then the other thing that I opened up was an ability to support people in a semi-private setting where people could ask me questions or bring me their specific flavor of crisis that they're going through to be supported for that. Uh, and that's uh, limited to groups of 10 or 11 so I can work with everybody and give everybody my individual attention. Cool. And so all of that's going on, podcasting's going on. There's so much going on right now that even though I'm not on a book tour, I'm literally waking up at like 5, 5 a.m. in the morning and going until probably 10 or 11 at night because I have people all over the world. 
And so again, it's like everything that we've gone through has been in preparation for this time. And uh, I'm just so grateful that uh, everything in my life has happened in the way that it has so that I can be of service to others. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, one, and one of the things I appreciate, appreciate about you isn't something I always appreciated, but it is that you're very experiential. It's, it's not as if, and, and you stress that, you know, you're, you're not a guru. This, these aren't some teachings. You're not, you're not, I don't, I haven't left an experience with Panash Desai knowing how to do something better. It, it's not take home this practice. It's like, whoa, no, I've, a transformation has happened. A shift has happened. I'm, I'm feeling things I wasn't willing to feel before. It, it's very experiential. It's very unique. It's very um, distinct and, and human and like more human than perhaps what we're told being a human means. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Basically what happens is you finally end your resistance to being who you are. And you, be, and you, you, you break free of all of that old conditioning that you've received that says that you can't be sad and you can't be angry and you can't be afraid. And you can't feel certain feelings and you can't be a certain expression. And all of that completely is fabricated, you know? So, so actually when you, when you leave being with me, you're more human, you're more yourself. You're actually more yourself than you've ever allowed yourself to be. And you also begin to discover that you being who you are, isn't the problem. It's a solution. You know, that we all feel all of these things. I knew a long time ago that we were dealing with some metric of of spirituality and enlightenment that was completely false. Mm. You know, actually, the more human I am and the more I'm able to embrace the totality of who I am as a human being, the more that part of me that's enlightened or that's already conscious or aware or divine emerges through me. And so at that point, our humanity is the doorway to our divinity. See, so in spirituality, we've just been trying to commune with the divine and transcend and do all of these things and kind of leapfrog who we are at the level of our humanity. But unless we're integrating every aspect of our humanity along the way, we're not free. So we're here to bring the light of our conscious awareness to every single aspect of our humanity to the point where we're at peace with it. We have no resistance to it anymore. And everything works in, 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 in harmony. And we're able to express through the totality of who we are. And so that's what people leave with. People leave knowing that who they are is loved, that they're not a mistake, that they're not broken, that they don't have to apologize for being who they are, that what they've gone through isn't an accident, that ultimately they leave with knowledge of self. They leave with an awareness of self and they leave with a love of self that, that is with them forever. Mm, beautiful. What are you looking forward to? You know, I'm not looking forward to anything. I'm, uh, I, I'm actually really just really enjoying this time of being in self-isolation and self-quarantine, being with my kids, being with Jan, you know, going through this together as a family. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing the blessing of this time. I'm seeing the blessing of my kids spending time with Jan, spending time with me. I'm seeing the blessing of it firsthand. And we're really being given a deep immersion now into what's important and what matters, you know, and and we had that in going through everything with Celeste, but now we're being given an immersion into how to live that in an even deeper way, you know, and how to live that in a a more pronounced way in a more dynamic way than ever before. And so I'm not looking forward to anything. I'm I'm just, uh, I can tell you what I'm looking forward to, I guess. 
I guess I'm looking forward to hugging everybody when I, I see them. I was going to say, yeah, that, seemed, that felt yeah. the most obvious thing to me. So yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. yeah, like at some point I've warned everybody, like when I see you in person, I'm going to hug you. I'm not going to let go. It's going to be a little weird. I'm going <laughs> to cry on you a little bit. Just know that that's going to happen. Uh, so I am looking forward to that. But outside of that, right now, I'm so deeply immersed in everything that's happening here um, that I'm very at peace in the midst of this time being where I am and sharing what I've come here to share. Cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming here to share with us today. I appreciate everything, the way you're sharing with, with, with the whole world uh, as, as well. I'll continue to be seeing you at 9 a.m. every morning <laughs> until this, uh, it's not needed any longer. Um, if you're watching this, panashtasai.com is, is right up on the screen. You can go there, learn more, more about the programs, get involved in the, in these open calls, look at the programs that you can, uh, that are paid and you get private, uh, semi-private sessions with Panache and, and again, really have this energetic experience of, of who you are and help to dissolve what you've had that's in, in the way of expressing that um, for yourself. Uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this, visit realmenfield.org. The blog notes for this show will have, will have links to all of Panache's books and programs. And I cannot urge you enough if there's anything in this past 45 minutes that you've enjoyed, you will enjoy more when you have that direct experience. Um, again, uh, Panache, you're, you're one of my favorite human beings on the planet. I uh, have enjoyed you immensely for almost a, a decade now. And um, so, again, I'm honored that you uh, spent some time with me today. And uh, thank you for that. Thanks, brother. It's been a joy watching you relax into who you are. And, and I'm very proud of you and the journey that you're on and the way in which you're serving people. I'm very grateful for you, and uh, and I and I wish you even more of all of this. You know, in so many ways, I just feel like everything's deepening, and I feel like uh, more and more people are going to find you, and more and more people are going to connect with you now than ever before. And so, I'm just so grateful for you, and thank you for everything. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, wherever you're listening, wherever you're discovering real men feel, uh, please show some love, give a share, a like, uh, a comment, some feedback, and until next time. Be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.